it's telling stories of people doing difficult things against all odds, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we we wanted to keep that going, even though we weren't going to travel the world and you know be able to tell stories from from that that side. And so we're like, well, how can we continue on with this? And so it when I started the gravel program, I was like, well. I would love to race under the banner of distance to empty and continue to kind of like try to tell that story about, you know, we're better humans when we're doing difficult things that, you know, force us out of our comfort zone and ultimately make us better humans. Right. Because when we're uncomfortable, that's like when we find out the most about ourselves and like what we're capable of. Hey, this is Travis Macy. I'm an athlete, author, speaker, and coach. Welcome to the Travis Macy Show. On this podcast, we talk about adventure, mindset, and life. Today, we're talking with Starla Tedergreen. Got a guest co-host with me today, Becca J. Becca is the host of the You Are a Big Deal podcast. This is one of my favorite podcasts Becca does a great job with it. I highly recommend you subscribe to Becca's podcast. Again, it's called You Are a Big Deal. We're talking with Starla about showing up for others in order to show up for yourself and accepting what race day holds without self-pressure. We received a lot of great feedback on episode 120 with Sarah Sturm, aka Sturmy. She is a cyclist participating in the Lifetime Grand Prix series of gravel and mountain bike races. Uh, Starla T is also participating in the Lifetime Grand Prix. Uh, and I tell you what, as soon as I found out about Starla, I knew that I wanted to interview her. And after interviewing her, uh, I was even more excited and impressed and interested and inspired by her story and who she is as a person. Starla is a partner, athlete, professional cyclist, empowerer, and co-creator of Distance to Empty. Uh, Check that out. We got that linked in the show notes as well. Again, Distance to Empty, Starla's incredible and inspiring platform uh, working with female cyclists. Uh, She's a planner, a dreamer, a teammate, and a survivor. She has endured some very difficult health challenges and continues to show up for herself, her teammates, and the distance to empty athletes. Um, I tell you what, you're going to hear on this podcast about Starless Health Journey, and it just... uh, it really inspires me. Um, it's it's really cool, I think, how she's leaned into the uncertainty and just taken things step by step. And, uh, you know, all of us, whether it's as endurance athletes or just as uh, people in general, um, you know, health stuff and uncertainty, it comes up. Uh, and and very often the only way out of it is, is just right through it um, one day at a time. Uh, We also talk about Starla's uh, 15-year pro racing experience, uh, her history as a uh, as a road cyclist. Um, You know, we talk about her ups and downs, including many doctors she saw dismissing some serious symptoms, 
uh, it's just it, it's an amazing journey, and, and just hats off to Starla for uh, for being out there, and again working with uh, her team through Distance to Empty, which I highly recommend you check out. Uh, speaking of cycling, it's Tour de France month. You may have noticed that. Uh, you know, me and my dad, Mace, you've heard him on the podcast. Um, we watched the Tour de France every year when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, back in those days in the 80s, it was the the Greg LeMond era. And, uh, you know, it was probably on ABC or something on the weekends. But we would sit down, we watch it together. My dad, you know, taught me about the tactics and stuff. And I, um, you know, it's almost making me tear up just thinking about, uh, like afterwards, dad and I would go out on the dirt roads near our house in Evergreen and we'd ride along and, and I, I would hear dad's commentary from behind me, you know, on his bike. And he, he would pretend to be Phil Liggett, uh, of course, the announcer of the tour, uh, both then and now. And, uh, you know, dad would be going, it's Lamont, it's Hino, it's Lamont, it's Hino. And of course I was Lamont and he was, uh, Bernard Hinault. Uh, but, uh, you know, I would always win in the sprint and, uh, We'd celebrate and, uh, you know, anyway, just I, I've been a Tour de France fan um, my whole life. And uh, and that's um, one reason I get, I get excited about remembering those memories with dad. And I still talk with dad almost every day about the stage and, and watching it. And, um, you know, as his Alzheimer's progresses, uh, you know, he, he can't remember any of the names or you know, really what happened or, or anything. Um, he can remember Cav, Cavendish, uh, you know, that's probably the only current name in the Peloton that he remembers. And so, you know, it was obviously a bummer when Cav crashed out of the race, uh, after almost winning a stage. Uh, anyway, going on and on the tour is special to me. <laughs> I love being a fan. I, 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 uh, I've only done like two road cycling races in my life. Uh, so I'm kind of amazed at how uh, geeked out I am as a fan. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm geeked out with it through, uh, through the feed. Uh, as you know, the feed is, is our, uh, presenting sponsor for this podcast. Um, and they're also a big sponsor you've probably seen on the, uh, the NBC coverage of the Tour de France this year. Um, check out thefeed.com slash Travis Macy. On that page, you're going to find all kinds of stuff about fueling, education or fueling. Um, you know, really these days it's all about uh, hyper fueling with a lot of carbs, a lot of sodium, and a lot of water. That's what they're doing in the tour. That's what I do on my long training rides and competitions in mountain biking, running, burrow racing, etc. And uh, and honestly, that's what I'd recommend uh, you do. So again, check it out, thefeed.com slash Travis Macy, they got a bunch of special promotions for the tour, including getting a uh, a polka dot water bottle with your name on it. Uh, I, I always, when I was a kid, you know, I, I always thought I'm I'm a climber. You know, when I do the tour, I'm going to get the polka dot jersey. And uh, obviously, I have yet to do the tour, and uh, my my chances are running slim. Although Mike Woods, man, that Canadian, he got the stage win at age 36. That's pretty inspiring. Um, so, uh, anyway, check it out, thefeed.com slash Travis Macy. Hey, sorry for the long intro today. Uh, sometimes I get kind of excited, but, uh, as you'll hear, I'm even more excited in this great interview with my friend, Becca J, host of the UR, 
a big deal podcast and our guest starla tettergreen on the travis macy show hey starla becca J, guest host uh so great to see both of you and uh i just want to hop right into action here talking about a sport uh or a type of sport a type of racing that might be about the wildest I've heard of. Uh, and this is coming from someone who enjoys something called pack burrow racing, which is a real thing. You run around in the mountains with, with a donkey on a leash, but start Scarlett, you've done this thing called alley cat racing. Um, tell us about this. When did you do it? Where did you do it? And, uh, how did you make it out alive? <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, first of all, great to be here. Great to see both of you. Um, yeah. Alley cat racing, was early, early, early on in my cycling career. I was probably about, I think, 19 when I started. Um, and it was up in Seattle, uh, where I discovered a job that was called uh, couriering, bike messengering. And uh, yeah, I was introdu- <laughs> introduced to Alley Cat Racing, which was um, generally on Friday nights after the work week. Uh, all the messengers would get together at a messenger hub, and then we would have what was called an alley cat race. And so it was essentially an illegal race that was held on the city streets at night, and you would get um, a manifest. And so it was like a piece of paper that told you addresses that you had to go to. And once you got to that address, you either had to pick up a package, do a task, or get the manifest signed. And then whoever got back to the, the to the home base first was officially the winner. So it was, yeah, a bunch of people on fixed gear bikes, mostly uh, riding around the city streets, trying to get from point A to point B to C and so on as fast as possible and uh, not get killed or kill anyone <laughs> or get caught. Uh, good, good goals. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh man, that sounds like a great thing to do at age 19, like before your prefrontal <laughs> cortex is developed and you got all this extra energy and you're invincible. So you don't have to worry about things like red lights or cars or, you know, the navigation in the dark, uh, or not having brakes on your bike, for example, cause it's a fixie. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Starlight sounds cool. Becca's kids are almost 19. Becca, is this something you're going to recommend? You got a couple of of it highly adventurous boys. I mean, are we going to tell them about this, Becca? Or are we I just mean, gonna I might m- uh, mention it in passing, but I don't know that I would say, go do this. Unless I would like <laughs> say that the protocol is you have to be covered from head to toe in padding. That might deter them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and right, like flashing right. lights, and, and I would uh, have to be there you know, to monitor so the traffic. Um, so I think that would probably be the the biggest deterrent for them. Mom's going to show up. Forget it. Yeah, that's a good. Was your was your mom there, Starla? No, definitely not. <laughs> um, yeah, we safety was not uh, was never taken into consideration. I mean, we didn't have lights. We weren't wearing helmets. Um, like you said, we didn't have breaks. It was just, oh yeah. Gosh. I mean, we were we were invincible. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's hysterical. Yeah, 
Nice. Well, we'll catch us up between. So, so you're clearly older than 19 now, and, and that's a compliment, of course. Um, and you're still alive. You're still racing bikes. You got this awesome shirt on. Mm-hmm. It's got the distanced empty logo. It's got the feed logo. It's got a bunch of other good. I can't run through all of them, but maybe we'll show the listeners a bunch of. You know, t- what do you what what happened between now and then, and then like, what do you do now? Oh gosh. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Slight, slight bit of time in between being 19. Now I'm 43. Um, so yeah, started out as a bike messenger in Seattle, um, then San Francisco. Um, my racing career started with doing Alley Cats and then more kind of sanctioned messenger races. And so we would do like European championships, world championships um, for messengers racing. Um, and like in the messenger community, there's not that many women. And so, um, I found myself Mm. always just competing against men. And then when I moved to San Francisco, there was a, uh, road race team that was comprised of messengers and they're like, you should try this. And so, Mm. um, they, so I was like, okay, they're like, we'll come out on a training ride. And so I show up in my normal, like messenger gear, which was like t-shirt, cut off shorts, you lock in my pocket, messenger bag kind of thing. So I show up on this ride and they're all like, what are you wearing? And I'm like, clothes? What are you wearing? (laughs) What are you wearing? Yeah. And they're like, you're supposed to be wearing a kit. And I'm like, what is a kit? And they're like, this? And I'm like, I don't own anything like that. And there's no way I'm being caught dead in like like spandex like skin tight outfit i was like no and they're like well if you want to get into road racing this is what you have to wear and and you have to learn how to coast right you got to learn how to use brakes and coast because you can't use a fixie <laughs> so yeah so in san francisco got into road racing and excelled at it pretty quickly um upgrade upgrading like throughout the categories and so uh became pro Shortly on after that, and had a 15-year-long career on the road, racing Criterium stage races, um, UCI races, like international, all over the world um, for different teams. Um, So did that up until 2019. And then the plan was to... So in 2020, I was signing with a new team because the team I had pro- uh, previously been with Hoggins Berman Supermint, which was a UCI team um, was coming to a close. And so we all needed new jobs essentially. So I signed with an uh, international team with the, th- with the thoughts of I'm going to travel all the- over the world, race all these international races. And um, my husband was just kind of retiring from his company that he just sold. And our plan was like, we're going to travel the world. We're going to go to Thailand and, you know, like just all over the place, have an adventure, have fun. And I was going to get to, you know, lead this team of developing women and yeah, do some really cool races. So as you all know, 2020 kind of just, yeah, the world shut down. All those plans kind of changed and I had to, kind of like redefine who I was because I had been an athlete, like a cyclist for, for 15 years. 
And that, that was my identity. That's who I was. And so now I was just like, well, I don't have a team. I don't have a start line. I don't have goals that I'm training, you know, towards. And so I felt like just really lost and kind of in crisis, honestly, (laughs) like, like, who am I if I don't have these things? And so it took a process of trying to um, realize like it, it's, it's not the team. It's not the start line. It's not the race. None of those things are what actually make me an athlete because ever since like I was a small kid, I was like, I wanted to run. I wanted to, you know, ride my bike. I wanted to do whatever it was that was like pushing myself to, to just to see what I was capable of. And so this was kind of an opportunity to be like, well, I don't need all these outside things, you know, identifying and like telling me who I am. I need to redefine that for myself. And so, um, just started training again. And I was like, well, maybe I can do more like endurance stuff. Cause I was coming from like being a crit racer, sprinter, mm-hmm. like really short, hard, intense races to I'm like found out about FKTs, like fastest known times. And I was like, maybe I'll go do that or just do more off-road adventure kind yep. of things. And so started training towards doing that and did the Cocapelli FKT. And as the world was kind of coming back to life, started doing some mountain bike races, gravel races. And in that transition, I was like, kind of realized I'm like, this is the trajectory that I want to head on is doing these more like endurance, like gritty, hard races that really test me and help me to continue to grow and develop as an athlete. Hmm. I read, uh, Starla, that you, you, I think this is right. I read that you have asthma and an autoimmune disease. So to be able to accomplish everything that you have done and also navigate those two very challenging things, what does that look like for you? How do you do that? How do you do that? How do you, yeah, (laughs) that's hard. Um, (laughs) Those are two big things with the sport that you're in. No, I mean, definitely. So in, so last year, so in the beginning of last year, I was, um, I was like selected to do part of the lifetime grand prix series. It's a series of gravel events, um, that go throughout the year. And so I got selected for that. And then early on in the year, um, got COVID both me and my husband did, even though we, I mean, we take all the precautions possible that we could Mm -hmm. because, um, my husband has an, a suppressed immune system from having a kidney transplant and a double bypass surgery um, from um, a genetic disease that, yeah, that he's battling. And so we were like super, super cautious. So how we got COVID in the first place, we're just, we're still to this day have no idea. And so we both got through COVID okay, but... It, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I wish. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So it's everywhere. I bet yeah, you got so it from an alley cat we, or something. We got know? through it pretty, pretty okay. And then, <laughs> then the autoimmune thing like kicked off in my body, oh, and yeah. it started with like numb hands. Like my hands went numb first, and started having like weird heart things going on where. 
it was super, super high when it shouldn't be, or it was super low when it shouldn't be. And so it was like all over the place. Mm. So it was like doctor visit after doctor visit, trying to figure out what was going on because like I was declining like really mm. fast. Mm. And then like I started to lose control of my left arm and hand Jeez. and I mean, it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. Oh, and like, I was in the emergency room once and then I was like, went and saw a neurologist and he was said, there's nothing wrong with you. It's anxiety. Wow. You're manifesting all these sensations. What? And oh my God, it was so infuriating. Like my husband I was going to say, him. and how did that conversation end? <laughs> uh. It, uh, it, it ended with you're wrong and good for um, you. Good for you. Like, That's right. Cause you knew something was not right in your body for somebody oh. to tell you that. I tell you what, mm -mm. way to go. Way oh, to yeah. mm -mm. oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I went to him with a list of symptoms. Like I took a daily log of new, new things that were coming up, took it to him to be like, this is progression of symptoms and what's going on. He wouldn't even look at it. Oh and then gosh. Starla, I'm sorry and, that you dealt with that. He's fired. I fire him. Oh yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we submitted a, a, a report about him Good. because I'm like, mm -hmm. I can only imagine how many other people have been like yeah. dismissed or <laughs> I don't even know. Like it was yeah. absolutely like malpractice at that yeah. point. Yeah. And sure. so, so we went and so, like sought like outside help through a friend and she got us in touch with the, her doctor and she was like, no, this is super serious. We need to order MRIs. And so they end up finding a lesion on my spine um, wow. at C, C5, C6. And it was a significantly large lesion. And then they found a couple of lesions in the brain and they're like, this oh needs a, immediate treatment. <laughs> so I went to LA Wow. This is this is a year ago in um, February. Wow. Yeah. And so, wow. and th so this is last summer, right? This they is did, summer 2022. Of um, course, of steroid treatments over a couple of days, and that like cleared up a lot of um, the symptoms that I was feeling, like in in like the heart and my breathing, and I started to feel better. And then a couple days later, I started to decline again, where it was, I was having like electrical kind of sensations all throughout the body, numbness, like around my waist and in my legs. And then I started feeling like electrical shocks and like vibrations and hmm. just so many weird symptoms that you're like, I should not be feeling this. This is right. just unexplainable. And so I went back and saw the neurologist there in LA and he was oh, like, yeah, you're getting worse and this is not okay. And is this the, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Sarah, but this, is this the lesions in, you know, impending upon the nervous system via the spinal cord and stuff? And, and what's for those of us who don't know, like difference between a lesion and a tumor. So a lesion is, and I'm, I'm going to do this to the best of my knowledge. <laughs> is it's your body is attacking the myelin sheath in your spine mm -hmm. or in your brain. And so it's creating this yeah. essentially hole, I guess. But when you're looking on the, like an MRI, it comes up as okay. like this 
bubble looking thing on on your spine. And so it's it's damaged to the myelin sheath. And so what that is then doing is interrupting your neurological pathways exactly. and yeah. what what is going yeah. on, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Exactly. And so I went to the emergency room, they yep. admitted me, and then at this point like, I was losing complete control yeah. of my legs. And Oh my gosh, wow. that's terrifying. Oh, it was yeah, I mean that night when they did another set of MRIs, um, the lesion had gotten bigger in the neck. And when I was just sitting there, like it was the craziest sensation. Like if I closed my eyes, I was like doing this uncontrollably, like just swaying. Cause I, yeah, just couldn't, couldn't control things. And Mm -hmm. so at that point they started, um, uh, plasmapheresis, and yeah. that's where they take your blood out, circulate it through a machine, take out your plasma, and then put in a synthetic plasma, and then put your blood back in. And so, what this is essentially doing was um, clearing out whatever was um, like telling my yeah. body to attack itself. And so, the steroids were stopping the attack. And then this was clearing out what they would like call the soldiers that were attacking. And so it was stopping that process. And so that went on for five days. And then after that, then they did an immune suppression to stop the attack from starting back up again. Um, So, yeah, so I was in the hospital for nine days and then um, came home and then, uh, was also on blood thinners because COVID also apparently um, triggers something in your body. It's called antiphospholipid syndrome, which is a blood clotting disorder. And so then I was also at risk for blood clotting on top of that. And so, <laughs> oh my like, I was being told, it's like, you might not ever get to ride your bike again. Mm. You might not be able to do anything where you could cause yourself bodily harm. Cause if you get a bruise, it could be uncontrollable bleeding and be catastrophic. So I'm sent home just like, what the heck, what is, what is my life going to look like? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was kind of that whole process again. For the second time in like three years, you know, you're finally like you have this kind of identity and what you said about the whole like athlete identity crisis. I mean, everything you said, I'm like, I've, all of that I can totally relate to, um, it, you know, and then you're kind of back on your feet psych for the Grand Prix. This new last year was this big new series. Like everyone's pumped. Like, you know, it's a new thing with gravel and mountain bike. And, you know, I'm sure you're excited to be part of that. And, and then, uh, then you got this whole thing, like, geez, what a, mm-hmm. what a yeah, it, was, it, it was not an easy, uh, an easy time. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that kind of got me like kept me going and was so at the beginning of 2020, we also started me and my husband um, started our program distance to empty. And so that was, that was born out of, I mean, it was my husband's idea. Like he he wanted, he, he was going to start distance to empty as a storytelling platform for when we were 
going to travel the world, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And then that didn't happen, but we still had the idea. And we wanted, like, what Distance to Empty is, is, like, telling stories of impossible or diff- of Sorry, I always blubber this. we'll get the link in the show notes the mission i've read the mission a number of times it's really good it's it's telling stories of people doing difficult things against all odds right Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. we we wanted to keep that going even though we weren't going to travel the world and you know be able to tell stories from from that that side and so we're like well how can we continue on with this and so it when I started the gravel program, I was like, well, I would love to race under the banner of distance to empty and continue to kind of like try to tell that story about, you know, we're better humans when we're doing difficult things that, you know, force us out of our comfort zone and ultimately make yeah. us better humans, right? Because when we're uncomfortable, <laughs> that's like when we find out the most about ourselves and like what we're capable of. And so yeah. <clears throat> From there, uh, I wanted to then also do something that gave back to cycling because it has been such a significant part of my life and has helped me develop as a human and give it has given me like confidence in myself in all aspects all aspects of my life. And so we also created the Pursuit Award program, which helps Colorado-based women get on bikes um, when they wouldn't have like the opportunity otherwise. And so we started that program at the beginning of 2020 when like this whole health crisis thing happened. And so like when we uh, kicked off the program, we t- we selected four women. And then it was like, we went radio silence. And then my husband had to send out this letter to everybody and be like, hey guys, sorry, uh, but this is what's going on. And like, they Everyone's were Everyone's in survival mode. Like, yeah, they, they yeah. totally rallied like together and were like, well, we're going to do stuff together and we're going to make this team work and blah, 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 while I was going through this whole health crisis. And so, mm. so yeah, so get back from LA, the hospital, this whole new like what is my life going to look like? And so the program distance to empty really helped me kind of like focus my energy will be like, well, I need to, you know, live what we're trying to encourage other people to do. And so it was a way for me to like pour my energy into that and to heal my body and give myself like the best possible opportunity to come back to cycling. Um, and or just in sport or just in life, I was like, there, there's so many other possibilities. Like if cycling is taken away from me, there are still many, so many other opportunities out there and things that I can do that can challenge me. So my brain was just like, mm. you know, like what, what can this be? Yeah. But I luckily got uh, the news pretty early on that I could come off the blood thinners, which was just like oh my gosh, the best news ever. Because then that meant like, yeah, yeah it meant like, okay, Very good I can for get biking. back on the now bike. Now I can ride a bike and yeah. crash and not be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> hey guys, quick interruption in the podcast here. I want to tell you about Relevate by NeuroReserve. This is a brain health supplement that fills the gaps to help us achieve the nutritional profile of the Mediterranean and mind dietary patterns where brain protective evidence 
is strongest. Uh, I like this stuff. You know, I actually just took my Relevate today. Uh, there's one big capsule that's a soft gel and uh, two other capsules encompassing the supplement. Uh, one thing I like about NeuroReserve is that it includes a good dose of vitamin D. Uh, if you are an endurance athlete like me, there's a good chance that uh, you might be running low on vitamin D. And that's just one of the good things that NeuroReserve will give you. Um, as you know, my dad, Mace, has Alzheimer's and uh if you're like me and you have a friend or family member who is uh, navigating at cognitive decline, it's probably something that is on your mind. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do. You got sleep, you got diet, you got exercise, relationships, engagement, building cognitive reserve, uh, early identification. That's huge, man. Um, if, if you're suspecting something for yourself or someone else, um, get a diagnosis. Uh, the, these interventions make the biggest difference uh, earlier in the disease process, uh, whether we're talking uh, supplements, diet, etc., or, or some of the new medications that are out there, which are great as well. Um, those are all reasons that I use Relevate by NeuroReserve every single day. My wife Amy takes it, uh, my parents both take it, and uh, we're really glad to have this on board. Uh, check out, if you will, neuroreserve.com slash Travis Macy. You can then use code Travis Macy to get yourself 15% off the brain health supplement Relevate by NeuroReserve. Uh, thanks, guys. Back to the podcast. <laughs> how have you felt cycling then lately? Do you, yeah, first, how have you felt like in your body? Are you doing okay? Yeah. So it's been, it's been like such a weird, weird journey, right? As far as like learning, it almost felt like I had to learn to ride a bike again because my legs were so like weak and uneasy and disconnected. So like I'd be on the bike, like trying to wow. pedal and I'm like, I can't really feel the pedals and I can't really feel like my legs going in circles and it like felt so weird. And so trying to get that strength back and heal, like let my body heal the myelin sheath. Um, mm -hmm. it, it took, it was a process. It was an absolute process. And so I'm at this point now, I would say I'm almost physically back to normal. Um, I still have all sorts of weird nerve stuff. Like I'm heat insensitive now. So Anytime I start to get warm, my hands will get like super tingly kind of burny sensations. And then if I'm fatigued at all, so like if I go do a training ride and come home, um, if I like look down, this was always, this was a trigger for me. If I look down, I like send shockwaves through my body. Wow. And so sometimes now still wow. like if I'm fatigued, I'll look down and will feel like a vibration of my foot. Hmm. And hmm. so I, I would, I would take all of this. Like I take this as a win <laughs> coming mm. from where I'm yeah. coming from. So yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's mm -hmm. totally fine. I'm totally okay. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. 
but I can, I can mostly, I can mostly train again. Um, I've had a couple weird episodes of weird heart stuff, Hmm. um, that I'm working with a cardiologist and pulmonologist about trying to figure out what is going on with that. Um, and I'll go through different, it's like a roller coaster. Like I'll have some good days, some bad days, some good weeks, some bad weeks where my legs just feel dead. I have fatigue, no energy, but like right now I'm on a streak of a couple of really good weeks where I'm like, I almost feel normal. Um, so I'm like holding onto that really tight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I was selected again for the lifetime grand prix and we did our first race, um, last month at sea otter and we have our next race, which is Unbound, uh, 200 miler coming up here Ooh. in two weeks. <laughs> um, yeah. June June third, right? The Super Bowl of gravel racing. Yeah, yeah. and that's uh, I mean, how cool, Starla? Like, regardless of what happens out there, like, I mean, how cool for you to to be there? You know, who knows? Maybe some of the other DTE communities there. It's just, I'm like, I'm so pumped for you. Way to, way to persevere. And I, and I love how you, you and your husband created this thing, like this platform to empower people. And it turns out like it's, it, it turned out to be just what you needed, you know, like to, to feel that same stoke and to, like you said, have this this other thing. And I want to, I want to reemphasize that point. Mm -hmm. Like you said, okay, if cycling is gone, there are other things I can do to challenge myself to, you know, push myself to be engaged with this community to, you know, carry on, you know, your experience and what you've learned over the years. Like, I think that's so important. I think it's especially for athletes because sometimes like we're so far into a sport or sports we have this feeling like, Oh, if this is gone, like I can't do anything else. Like there's nothing else out there, you know? And to know that there is like, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And like, we, I find so much inspiration in, in the program. And like right now in our um, pursuit of Award program, we have seven women and they're all different ages, all different backgrounds. And like each one of their stories is so inspiring and them continuing to, you know, push their limits and like do things completely out of their comfort. And like, I just find so much like inspiration in them to, you know, keep pursuing this for myself, but just continue to like grow this program and, encourage other women, you know, to pursue and do these like really hard things. And it, it's, it's not just about like doing the hard things, but it's them showing up, gaining that confidence in themselves and then them taking it into their communities and, you know, to their friends and showing them like, you know, we can do these hard, scary things. Like I was just at uh, girls gone gravel festival in Bentonville, Arkansas they brought me in, um, as a, as a coach to teach skills. And I brought three of my riders with me and two of them like brought their friends who had like never done graveling. And it was, it was so cool to then see them extend their experience, bring their friends into it and 
like that right there was like mission accomplished as far as like what we're, we're trying to build and do is like, if we can empower these women on our program and then they can then empower other women, it's yeah. It's like just such an incredible, like awesome feeling. Yeah. Good for you guys. And, uh, so the distanced empty, again, this is uh, the listener's guide, check it out. Distancedempty.com. Um, and I noticed on there, one of your writers happens to be a public school teacher here in Salida, Colorado. And, and I was like, man, how cool, how cool is this? Um, I want to read, um, the kind of the mission statement here. Cause I think it's really good. Uh, distanced empty is a set of values put into action. Obviously Starla talked at length about those values. Uh, we stand for the idea that we're better humans when we're discovering the limits of our potential. We believe resilience is earned from persistence in the face of difficult circumstances. We believe in lifting each other up. Our mission is to tell the stories of folks pursuing hard shit against all odds and to encourage as many people as possible to stop making excuses, get out, and find their inner limits. What's your distance to empty. Um, Starla, I, I, I love it. And I think this is, you know, I mean, if, if I could like take my books and like break it down into a couple paragraphs, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> exactly what I'm trying true. to say. And that's Becca, true. like this is all the, you know, if anyone who follows Becca on Instagram or listens to her podcast or watching Becca and her family, you know, or boys tackling the 14ers and stuff, you know, it's totally aligned. So sure. way to go. Mm-hmm. Thanks. It's, that. It's so good to hear you like reading our mission statement, like in your voice. Like that just is like so, so awesome to me because I mean, I'm so inspired by you and your dad. And so, yeah, getting to hear you, you know, speak what my husband wrote is just like, eh. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm honored to do it, Starlin. Tell, tell that guy I said hi, cause I got to meet both you guys at a book thing, um, at the, uh, um, what's it called? The Boulder Bookstore. So th- thanks for thanks for coming. And it was really good to to connect briefly. And um, yeah, just I appreciate what you guys are doing. And I love how you're tackling this. Again, if people aren't familiar, you got to check out this Lifetime Grand Prix because this is like, man, the thing in domestic racing. It's like bigger than the road racing. It's like again the gravel and mountain biking. All these big events. You got Unbound. You got Leadville 100. You got this new. The Rad Dirt Fest in Trinidad, Colorado, the wild car. I mean, I don't even know what that means, but it sure sounds <laughs> awesome. So uh, there's all this great stuff. And, and there there was a great series last year. It's on YouTube. I can't remember the YouTube channel, but if you type in Lifetime Grand Prix, um, I, I binge watched this whole thing in like one day. Um, but, you know, it's following the the leaders of the field. You know, you got Keegan Swenson and you got the, you know, Sophia and like, you know, these like super talented pros, 20 something, but like, you know, you also have people maybe who aren't going for the win, but like you're, you're taken as it comes Starla, you know, and like, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just honored to, to like that they selected me again and just to have the opportunity. And yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to be at that, you know, top level. I am not in my twenties anymore. Um, (laughs) I'm definitely still, you know, strong and striving, you know, for those podium spots. But for me more, it's showing up and just giving it a go because I never know what my body's going to do on any given day. I might be having a good day. I might be having a bad one on race day, but like looking ahead to unbound, I'm just excited to, 
you know, take to that start line and see what I can do. Because honestly, it's going to be more of a mental fight, I think, than Mm -hmm. physical at that point to, yeah, to slog through those 200 miles to listen to my body. Like, I think that's going to be the hardest part because if it's super hot, my body, I, I don't know how it's going to do. And it might be like, nope, we're not doing this. And so it'll be, it'll be a mental test for me to be able to be smart enough (laughs) to shut it down if I have to and not Mm -hmm. keep pushing because I mean, that's what I'm used to doing, but it's, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to, to see how it goes, but I'm excited just to have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good for you. I love, I love that nuance. And I love, I mean, I think that's great advice, especially for those of us who are aging athletes, like, you know, let's see what's there on the day. And, you know, it doesn't mean you don't go hard, but it also means that you accept reality and and you don't, I, I know for me, like, as I've, I haven't done a mountain bike race since 2018 and this year, like I've been having fun biking and I signed up for some Good and like one you, of my mantras Travis. has, yeah, thanks Becca. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I mean, we all have these journeys, like, yeah. you know, Becca and her husband, Luke, like, you know, you guys are on my inner team, you know, my yeah. own ups and downs, yeah. but I've been like, okay, I'm gonna like, you know, um, I'm not comparing myself to myself, right. you know, yeah, 10 good. years ago or 15 years ago, like, you know, let's go out there, let's have fun. Let's be part of the community. Let's, uh, you know, racing, racing can be, can be fun and mm-hmm. part of the experience, but you know, I, I, you, I also don't have to be again, racing against the time from the past or place or, you know, even other athletes who are my age who like still are, winning Mm -hmm. uh you know okay well let them go Mm -hmm. you know they do their thing Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. like one of the most fun race experiences i have had so last year coming back from all of this like when my body's you know starting to come back together i did do the leadville 100 and (laughs) that was i was like i'm not going to race it i just want to see if yeah. I can do it, if I can finish it, and if I can finish in 12 hours to get, you know, the buckle or one of the buckles. And so yeah. I just went out and I was like, I'm just going to ride this. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that I'm here. And I honestly have never had so much fun because I had no pressure on myself. And I was cheering on mm-hmm. the front of, you know, the, the pointy end of the race, both the men and, and the women as I'm still climbing up and they're coming back down. And it was just like, it was so awesome to see it and mm-hmm. to cheer them on. And then all the other competitors, everybody out there. And I ended up like finishing just shy of the big belt buckle, <laughs> which oh, was like, yeah. was like oh, wow. it. maybe which I should Which is nine hours, right? Like, so you were. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> You see, you're way below 12, obviously. And, and, yeah. and like, you know, nine hours, that's, that's really fat. Like yeah. a lot of people train really hard to try to make it under nine hours. Yeah. yeah. And so the fact that I finished just slightly over nine hours and I was just having fun was yeah. the largest accomplishment that, you know, I, I, I've had in a really long time. And so I think hmm. from that, that's what I'm taking into this season of racing okay. is I just want to have fun and I don't want to put that pressure on myself, even though I'm part of the series. I, I just want to enjoy the experience because again, it's like 
we we all have limited time. We have no, you know, no idea what's going to happen next. And I have no idea what's going to happen next with my body. And so mm. when I'm feeling good, I'm just going to make the most of it and yeah, have fun out there. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love it, Starla. It's, it's fun to have fun. You just have to know how. Um, yep. That's Dr. Seuss, of course, but, but he's right. And I find myself more and more as an endurance coach, I'm like writing these prescriptions for fun. And I'm Same, telling yeah. people like, go have fun because if you want to improve as an athlete, consistency is the key. Yep. And what's a great way to make it consistent is to have mm-hmm. fun. And uh, I think, you know, I, I've actually really loved this is kind of getting off topic, but following the women's professional cycling Peloton, um, because these are like people with depth who have stories and they give these great interviews and you get this person like, um, Allison, I can't remember her name. I'm sure you know, she just won Paris-Roubaix. That's what it is. Action Jackson, right from Canada. And she's like, appears to be the funnest person in the world. Becca, do you know who this no, is? You got to you know, go on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> oh, she wins the biggest race ever. And then she like makes these dance videos, you know, and there's <laughs> this one. It. She's like, <laughs> she's like, I want to rock. I mean, it's just, that's cool. It's the oh best, my. but uh, you know, I'm like, why is she winning the biggest races? Well, cause she's actually having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I, I just adore her. I mean, she, we've, we've raced together in the same Peloton, you know, for years and years and years. And I think, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, she has fun with it and she takes it very seriously. Like she, she sets these big goals for herself and she believes that she can win. And, and she proved that she absolutely can. And it's because she, she commits to herself. She commits to the moment. And Mm. you saw, I mean, if you watch that race and when she was in the break, she, she raced every single minute. It was awesome. People got to go watch the highlights. This race is incredible. Perrier Bay this year, 2023. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to watch it. You're going to be a cycling fan after you watch this thing. I'm going to start racing now. I'm yeah, like, yeah, but I will watch I was it. Screaming, I was screaming at wow. my iPad, like watching it. Like, oh my god! And then I was like sobbing after she oh. won because I was just like, it was, it was just so incredible. And I cannot think of a more like deserving like athlete because I mean she's yeah she's so uplifting, so positive, and she has fun and she's not afraid to you know, encourage other women, which mm-hmm. is often not found in especially road racing, but she mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. super encouraging and is, you know, willing and excited to like educate and help lift other women up. So I like That's just cool. adore her. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can imagine, Starla, I you're probably doing the same thing and I think that's another thing that like as an athlete you know, as we get older, like it can be less about our, our own result or whatever. And maybe more like, what impact can I make? And just like you said, I can imagine maybe there's some young women in the lifetime series or other events that you do, you know, who see what you're doing or they talk to you and they can loosen that grip a little. It doesn't have to be this white knuckle grip of these high expectations of winning or the podium or whatever. And they even, may even discover by talking to you that like actually loosening that grip a little, that'll make the results better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Anytime I'm on the start line, I try to 
I mean, just encourage, encourage the other women and also, you know, try to smile, be friendly. And we're all here to have fun. Like this is, we've all chosen to be here and there's enough, you know, like we put enough pressure on ourselves that I'm, I want to kind of, yeah, lighten, lighten the air and be like, have fun out there, give yourself the best chance, but don't, you don't need to like be so serious about it because we all race better when we're happy. Right. And when we're having fun and Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, we can be competitive, but we can also be encouraging of each other instead of like tearing each other down because Mm -hmm. the stronger the competition is out there, the more it will elevate our own, you know, athletic endeavors. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I always just try to, yeah, spread the positivity. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's great. Becca, anything else? You got any other questions for our final five minutes here? Mostly, I just want to say that, Starla, you are a big deal, woman. (laughs) You are crushing it. And the words that came to mind as you were talking, you are an empowerer. You keep showing up. And I think that that's a beautiful example because it's really hard to show up for yourself and then also others when your body is in a hard spot. And that affects the mind. Um, And also you're a ripple creator. So when you were talking about what Mm. you're doing, um, you're creating ripples in the community. And I think that's beautiful because it will, it'll, it'll translate and grow and grow and grow. And you may never see it, but it's, it's going to grow. Just the fact that people that you, um, that are part of your team came with other people like and it's and it has just recently started. Your distance to empty is is still young. Like that's huge. So, uh, good work, Starla. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Boom. Ditto on all that, uh, Starla. Any any final thoughts? Any other things you wanna um want to share? Or? Um, not yeah, not that. I- <laughs> Not, not that I can really think of. I mean, I just really appreciate, you know, the opportunity to talk with both of you and, you know, share, share the distance to empty story. Um, it's, yeah, it's hard to, hard to like summarize my entire like cycling <laughs> career from the <laughs> alley cat racing at 19 to, you know, yep. about to start, you know, unbound. And so, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been a long, rewarding, challenging exhausting career but it's it's been awesome and yeah just super super excited you know to see what comes see what my body is capable of and Mm -hmm. to continue to try to yeah encourage people to do hard shit and get the most out of their lives because it's short yeah good for you yeah yeah no kidding. Well, th- thanks a ton to you both. I know people are gonna are gonna love hearing the wisdom uh, from both Becca and Starla, and and check out all of Starla's stuff again. DistancedEmpty.com. Uh, I believe there's an Instagram for Distanced Empty and your own Starla. Right? Remind me, is that at, at Starla T? Yes. Do I remember at that Starla correctly? At Starla T, and then it's yep. Distance with the number two empty um, on Instagram. Yep. Cool. Yeah. And people again, follow that lifetime grand prix series. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's super exciting. And, uh, you know, there's a lifetime grand prix website and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, Starla, we'll be, we'll be excited to see how it goes and, you know, keep, um, 
keep in touch. If, if you ever come down here to Salida, let me know. It'd be fun to go for a ride on the gravel or mountain bike. And, uh, you know, Becca might want to ride with you. Becca's husband, Luke, oh, he likes to ride bikes sometimes Luke, too. Probably so. Luke. I would be, I'll, I'll be your crew. I'll be, I'll cheer for you. On my bike. And this is where we tell Becca we've signed her up for the Leadville 100 mountain bike race uh, this year. You've been there, Becca. I know you've watched and crewed, so you're going to do it. Travis, (laughs) Travis, Travis, Travis. You need to drink some more of your espresso tiny drink. (laughs) That's right. Everyone, all right, the cyclists out there, this is, I got a one ounce espresso (laughs) cup that's, you know, metal. They're blaming our tech uh, hiccups on it. But uh, I'm telling you, if there's any other cyclists listening to this, that's what you do. You go out, you ride your bike, you stop at the coffee shop, you know, uh-huh. like that's what you do, right? Sure, sure, yeah, sure, full sure. espresso <laughs> shop with pinkies up. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. All right. Well, ladies, thanks so much. This was this was super fun. I'm yep. really glad to to share this and maybe we could do it another time. Yeah. That'd be that'd be fun. Absolutely. Would love thanks, to. Travis. Absolutely. Thanks, Starla. Hey guys, thanks as always for listening. I hope that you learned as much from Starla and Becca as I did. Uh, boy, you know, sometimes I just feel lucky to be part of these uh, conversations with neat and inspirational people. Um, good luck to Starla as she continues with the Lifetime Grand Prix series this year. Um, and again, if you have not heard episode 120, um, go back and check that out. Another Lifetime Grand Prix contestant. Sarah Sturm. Uh, check out, if you would, thefeed.com slash Travis Macy. On that page, search for Kyoku, K-Y-O-K-U, smooth, creamy, delicious breakfast shake. Man, I have this stuff pretty much every single day, at least once. Sometimes I'll have one with breakfast and then also after training. Uh, sometimes it's just after training, especially if I've driven somewhere and I want to get the carbs, proteins, and other superfood stuff into my system right after I finish running or biking. I'll have that on the way home. Good stuff. Again, thefeed.com slash Travis Macy and search for Kyoku. While you're online, also check out travismacy.com. You can find our previous podcasts. You can find my endurance coaching information. Uh, One of my collaborators there is Brandy Airholtz of Steamboat Colorado great friend of mine, fantastic trail runner, former pro at the highest level, and just an awesome coach. Um, you know, I'm. Uh, it inspires me to coach with Brandy because she does such a great job uh, with clients. And, you know, I want, I want to coach more like her. So uh, check that out. You can also find uh, keynote speaking information on there whether you want to maybe bring me in to do something with your company uh or maybe it's another collaborative thing i've done some uh really enjoyable speaking stuff uh with my friend sonia looney uh you can find sonia at sonialooney.com and uh if you're interested in a uh, compelling and dynamic keynote workshop kind of thing reach out to us through travismacy.com All right, guys. Uh, Thanks, as always. Appreciate you being along. Life's a team sport. And uh, keep going, getting after it out there. Catch you next week on The Travis Macy Show. The Travis Macy Show is part of the Palm Tree Pod co-network of podcasts. It is produced and edited by Anthony Palmer. The content for this episode is created by me, Travis Macy.